Somebody said that uh, the church in America can do a lot of things without the Holy Spirit, which is a very sad statement. And if the Holy Spirit left, some Christians would not even realize that he has left. That is a very sad statement. But that reveals how Christians are not as desperate as we are. But when you look at Jesus, Jesus wants us to be desperate for him. In fact, he wants us to approach him desperately. And so the question that I'm asking this morning is, what can we expect when we come to Jesus desperately? Have you ever been desperate? A story is told of a mother who had gone to market basket with her daughter and the daughter was desperate for a chocolate cookie. And this daughter cried out to the mother. She said, I want a chocolate cookie. And the mother said, no, you've had enough sugar. And they went around and around and she would say again, I want a chocolate cookie. And the mother would say, no, you're not getting one. And when they were almost going out, this child knew that this is my only chance. And she shouted at the top of her voice and said, in Jesus' name, I want a chocolate cookie. And everyone, everyone who was there clapped for her. And the mother had to buy a chocolate cookie. She was desperate. In our text today, Jesus is uh, at the shores of Capernaum. Previously, he had done two miracles. One, he had calmed the storm and then he had delivered a man from demon possession. He is surrounded by people, a crowd, because they know what he did. No one wants to miss what he will do next. And then while in this, in this, with this crowd, a man comes to Jesus He's a synagogue ruler. He's, he's a local pastor. He comes to Christ. He kneels down before him. He pleads with Jesus on behalf of his only daughter who is dying, a 12-year-old. This man, his name is Jairus, is desperate. 
And he realizes that Jesus is his only and last hope. Even though he's a prominent man, he is known in his community, he is respected. He comes to Jesus begging him to come and heal his daughter. And Jesus agrees with him. And so on his way to Jairus' house, Jesus stops and he asks a question that the disciples think it's a stupid question. He asks, who touched me? Who touched me? And in verse 45, who touched me? And they all denied it. And Peter, the smartest one around, says, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you like you should expect that. Everyone is touching you. But Jesus says, someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Now just take a pause there. Jesus is on his way to Jairus' house. Jairus' daughter is dying. When he accepted Jairus' prayer to go and heal his daughter, Jairus must have been joyful. But now, he has stopped. And he is concerned about who has touched him. What do you think Jairus is feeling at this point? It doesn't matter who touched you, Jesus. Let's go. I would be impatient if my daughter, the only daughter that I have, was dying and I took her to hospital and then the doctor who starts attending to her turns to something else or starts asking who touched me. I would think he doesn't need a touch. He needs a slap. So he can focus. I think Jairus is irritated here. Irritated. Let's go, Jesus. Let's go. It doesn't matter who touched you. But Jesus says, this is a different kind of touch. Because power has gone out from me. And when he says that, he gets everyone's attention. Then the woman, oh, there was a woman. A woman, the woman, seeing that she could, not, she could not go unnoticed, 
which means this was her intention. Cam trembling and fell at his feet in the presence of all the people. She told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Oh, this woman, let me take you back and tell you about her. This woman had been subject to a bleeding condition for 12 years. 12 years. That means for 12 years, she was considered unclean. That means she was not supposed to go to any worship service. Her local church had isolated her. That means she couldn't go to the marketplace. She could not mingle with people because she would make them unclean. So these are 12 years of isolation, 12 years of loneliness, 12 years of pain. She spent all her money looking for a cure. So she's mostly poor. Probably she's divorced, but most likely she is desperate. So this woman knows that if I go to Jesus publicly, no one will allow me. Because if the religious people noticed her, they would be angry against her. Because she's not supposed to be among people. She knew that my presence would make everyone unclean. But she's desperate for Jesus. She's so desperate that she comes up with a plan. She says, I am going to go incognito. I'm going to sneak in. And every step she takes, she's only thinking about Jesus. I'm not going to even ask him to heal me. I just want to touch him. That's all I want. I just want to be as close as I can and just touch his garment. This is desperate faith. This is someone that even though she doesn't fully know Jesus, she believes fully about him. This is her last hope. She is at the end of her rope. This woman touches Jesus and Jesus stops. And he says, power has gone from me. And when he calls her out, she realizes he knows. And so she comes out. And when she comes, she came trembling and fell at his feet in verse 47. 
in the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. What do you think is happening to Jairus here? I think at first he was impatient, probably irritated, but I think at this point he's encouraged. I think Jesus calls this woman publicly for her own sake because declaring her healed is declaring her clean. This is a woman that was not accepted. Jesus is accepting her. Now that she's healed, everyone will accept her. She can go to church now. She can go to the marketplace now. She can visit her family and friends. She can attend birthday parties now. Jesus is doing this for her sake, but also for Jairus' sake. Because now, Jairus can see his power. See, Jairus can be encouraged by the testimony of this woman. And you know, sometimes we are encouraged by the testimonies of others when, when you are going through a difficult experience, a difficult time, and then you hear someone else's testimony who was in your place and the Lord has delivered them. It encourages you even when you are still going through your difficulty. Jesus is increasing Jairus' faith. The delay is intentional. Now Jairus should be happy because if this woman just touched his garment and she's instantly healed, then he's coming to my house. Jesus, my daughter is not going to touch Jesus. Jesus is going to touch her. Because with Jesus, whether you touch him or he touches you, something happens. So Jairus is actually, if, if I was Jairus here, I, I would be encouraged. I would be motivated. Let's go now. Yeah, we can. I've seen it. I can't wait to see my daughter healed. But sadly, while, if you look at verse 49, while Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, and said, your daughter is dead. Do not bother the teacher anymore. Now Jairus is not happy. This is disappointing. Probably he begins to blame the woman. Or maybe he blames Jesus. 
this is his only daughter and now she is dead and then the message that he receives don't bother the teacher anymore that tells you that this even this people these messengers know that Jesus has power to heal but nothing else don't bother him anymore him anymore how many of us have prayed to the lord and something happens that crushes us and we feel like not praying anymore or you deal with the same problem day in day out and it keeps on getting worse and you feel like that's it you start scripturalizing it you start saying i think this is the thorn in my flesh oh i think this is what the lord wants me to have that's that's one way of showing that you really don't expect any change unless the lord tells you that he's given you that thorn in your flesh so that he can show his grace don't call it a thorn in your flesh And for those fathers that are here, you probably can identify even if you've never lost your daughter, if you have a daughter, you can identify with Jairus. If you have had a loved one die and you are doing your best to help them get better, you can identify with Jairus this is a very painful moment for someone that trusts in Jesus do not bother the teacher anymore but Jesus hears that message and he responds to it in verse 50 Jesus looks at Jairus probably he can see his disappointment he can see his grief his anger and he says to him do not be afraid just believe and she will be healed do not be afraid just believe and she will be healed what can we expect when we come to jesus desperately i'm glad you asked we can expect jesus to be compassionate when we come to him desperately we can expect him to be compassionate compassion here is not just something that you feel it's something that you feel and you do something about it in simple words 
Compassion is mercy in action. No one came to Jesus desperately and went unnoticed. No one in the scripture. There was a blind man called Bartimaeus. He heard that Jesus was passing by. And Bartimaeus called out to Jesus. The crowd tried to silence him. And the Bible says he shouted even louder. And Jesus heard his voice. And then he sent people to call on him. To bring him to him. But Myers was desperate. And when he came to Jesus, Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do for you? And he said, I want to see. And Jesus told him, Go, your faith has made you well. When Jesus was crucified, there was a he was between two thieves who first began mocking him and then one of them turned around. He was desperate. He realized that it was the end of him. He was at the end of his life and he knew where he was going. And at that point, he turned to Jesus and he cried out to Jesus and said, Remember me when you are in paradise. And Jesus had compassion on him. And he said, today you will be with me. When we come to Jesus desperately, we can expect him to be compassionate. This woman came to Jesus desperately. She came to Jesus Secretly, but still Jesus was compassionate on her. See, Jesus could have said, how dare you touch me knowing that you are unclean? Could you still think about that? He was a rabbi. He had all the rights to condemn her for doing that. But he was compassionate. He called her publicly and declared her healed. Jairus here has just received the worst news of his life. Jesus is compassionate to him. He tells him, do not be afraid. Just believe. Continue believing. And your daughter will be well. She will be restored. She will be healed. Whether you come to Jesus publicly or privately, you can expect him to be compassionate. Whether you are poor, rich, you are accepted or rejected, whether you have been abused in your life, because we have people that have had so many bad experiences, experiences that they carry with in their lives, and the enemy keeps using them. 
He keeps using them in their lives to keep them down, to stop their progress, to make them feel that they are living a defeated life. These are people that have come to Christ and Christ has forgiven them, but they are still tormented by their experiences. We have people that have been told things and what we've heard from others are tormenting us. In fact, we live in a culture that identifies people with their weaknesses. And Christians are caught up in that. You'll hear a Christian saying, proudly so, I, am, I have added something. I, I have uh, PT and S and T. We live in a culture that identifies people with their conditions. And Christians are caught in this. God has forgiven you and healed you. And you will never grow from your experiences until you start growing in the relationship that you have with the Lord. Because the relationship that we have with the Lord gives us a new identity. You are no longer the old you. You are a new creation. Someone may look at you and say, she was a prostitute. She's a former prostitute. God looks at you and says, she is my daughter. Because you have been washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. You are precious in God's sight. He's given you a new chapter in life. And you will never leave that new chapter. And still you stop relieving the old one. Someone did not hear that. If you keep on relieving your bad experiences... You will never enjoy the relationship you have with the Lord. Relieving those bad experiences gives the enemy a footstool. Identifying with your weakness gives the enemy a footstool. Every time you identify yourself, it's okay to acknowledge your weakness. It's okay to confess your weakness. Do not identify with it. You are not that condition. You are a child of God if you believe in Jesus. He is transforming you. You don't even know yet how you will look like when he's done with you. And that should be your focus. When you look at the mirror... See someone that is loved by God. Loved by God so much that he sent his son to die on the cross and shed his blood for you. See that person. Look at yourself and thank God instead of building a nest in your bad experiences. We have people who are suffering from rejection. You've been rejected so many times. 
such that you identify with it. You know, when you go through a problem for so many, for, for a long time, people start identifying you with the problem. And then you start identifying yourself with the problem. Okay? Like this woman, people would be saying, oh, the woman with, with blood. The, 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 the bloody woman. That's, that's the woman. If, 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 if they are married couples and they have conflicts all the time, they start identifying their marriage with conflicts. You know, this, this is who we are. We, we fight, you know. Sometimes it gets better and then we fight again. Even when it gets better, we know that it would happen. So we are always prepared to fight. You think when God looks at my son wisdom, he sees uh, a cerebral palsy child who is disabled in almost everything. No. God looks at him through the eyes of Jesus Christ and he sees his creation beautiful in his sight, precious in his eyes, valued like anyone else. In Christ, my friend, we are precious. We are loved. Other voices will want you to think differently. The painful experiences you've had will want you to think of yourself differently. Your circumstances will want to define you. It's high time you start seeing yourself in Christ. It's high time you start taking pride in your identity with Jesus Christ. Oh! If this, <laughs> if this was a Pentecostal church, people would be standing on their chairs right now. Whoever came with the phrase, frozen chosen, knew what he was talking about. <laughs> When we come to Jesus desperately, we can expect him to be compassionate. We can expect him to identify with what we are going through and to do something about it. So Jesus goes to Jairus' house. When he arrived at the house in verse 51, the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. And Jesus said, stop wailing. She is not dead, but asleep. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. In other words, they think they know better. Here is Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. And he says, 
she's not dead, she's asleep. And they laugh at him because they know she's dead. They think Jesus did not get the right message. But in Jesus' eyes, she is asleep because Jesus knows that he will wake her up. But Jesus took her by the hand to prove it to them and said, my child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. Again, Jesus comes <clears throat> to this house that is grieving, this family that has just lost a loved one. And again, he shows his compassion. He raises their daughter. Jairus' joy is restored. Jairus' understanding of Jesus reaches a new high. He is not only able to heal, he is able to raise someone from the dead. Do you know why we need to expect Jesus to be compassionate when we come to him desperately? Do you know why? Because our desperate experiences prepares us to experience his power. Our desperate experiences prepares us to experience his power. I don't know what you are going through. I don't know how dark your experience is. I don't know how difficult your situation is. But I know that Jesus knows. And my encouragement to you this morning is that you may turn to him from the deepest part of your heart. You know, sometimes you can be going through a very tough situation that you can't even speak. Like this woman, all you need is to be near Christ. All you need is just to shed tears because you know that he knows your heart. He knows your faith. He knows what you are going through. And sometimes you can't even speak it out. Oh, you have spoken it so many times. You have prayed and prayed and prayed. You no longer want to pray and all you can do is come before Jesus and just hang in there so that he can minister to you. If that describes you, I encourage you to do that. Be desperate for Jesus.
you will never be disappointed. And if Jesus is not your savior, you are the most desperate person. You are the most sick person. You need his healing. And this morning you can turn to him and tell him, Jesus, I am a sinner. Please forgive me and save me. And you do that from your heart, desperately, you will experience his compassion. He will forgive you, he will accept you, and you will start a new life with Jesus Christ.